We learned earlier on in the Masechta that when one redeems Maiseshani produce onto money, if the produce is fresh and good quality, so then it's very easy to calculate the value of the produce, and so you only need to really ask one person how much you would buy it for, and redeem it for that amount of money. However, if the value of the produce isn't known, for example, if the produce is less good quality, if the money has started to rust, so in those situations you would require three experts in evaluating produce, and then you would redeem it onto the money according to what they tell you the price is. Now when it comes to redeeming Netaravoi, the redemption process is slightly more complicated, and therefore it always requires three experts, and you can never just do it with one person. Now another difference which the mission is about to describe between redeeming Maiseshani and redeeming Netaravoi is that we learned earlier on that only the actual price of the fruit itself is taken into account for the redemption price, but the costs of processing the fruit, or the costs of transporting the fruit from one place to another, we don't take that into account, that's not considered part of the redemption price, and you need to spend your own money on transporting it and processing that fruit. However, in that regard, Netaravoy is more lenient than Maiseshani, in that the costs of processing the fruit are also part of the redemption price. Which means that if, for example, the fruit is worth 10 dinar, and the cost of processing it and picking the fruit is, let's say, 4 dinar. So in that case, you would need 6 dinar of money to redeem the produce. You wouldn't need 10, you would only need 6, because we deduct the cost of processing the fruit. Now there's a discussion amongst the Mephorosham about how much of the processing prices you can reduce. According to some, it's just the cost of hiring workers to pick the fruit. According to others, it's also the costs of plowing the ground. But the point is, you do deduct part of the cost of processing the fruit, because Netaravoi is considered to be slightly more lenient than Maiseshani. So says the Mishnah, How does one redeem Netaravoi? He places one basket of the fruit by three experts, who are experts in evaluating the price of produce. And you say to them, How many baskets of this size would one want to buy with one seller? So how much would one seller buy of my produce? But he adds, On condition that the one buying it would also be paying for the cost of processing that fruit. And so they would quote him a price. So then you would know that, for example, one seller can buy four baskets of produce. So now if he's got, let's say, 20 baskets, he would redeem all of them onto five seller. So then he would place down money, and he would say, all of the produce which will be gathered from here, so all of the produce which I put into baskets, is now being redeemed onto this money, using the price of such and such a number of baskets per seller. So in the example we gave, four baskets per seller. So again, two main differences between redeeming my sashini and redeeming Neta Revoi. Number one is that Neta Revoi always requires three experts, because they also need to calculate how much the processing of the fruit costs, and how much to deduct from the cost from the price of the produce. And that exactly is the second difference, that those costs are deducted from the price of the produce itself. Mishnah Hay, this is a continuation of the previous Mishnah, If the fourth year of the produce is a Shmita year, that means that when you're redeeming the Netaravoi produce, you don't need to deduct any of the prices or the costs of working the land, or of picking the fruit, because it's forbidden to work the land during Shmita. 
And although you're allowed to pick fruit off the tree during Shemitah, you would do that yourself. You don't hire workers to do that during Shemitah. You need to do it yourself. And therefore, if you're redeeming that Aravoy produce during the Shemitah year, then you redeem it for its actual price, and you do not deduct the costs of the growing of the fruit, because there are no costs since during Shemitah, one is forbidden to process the land. And now a similar case, if the entire field was Hefker, it was made ownerless until this particular person came in the fourth year and picked off some fruit. So in this case, there's no cost to deduct because no one took care of the tree for the last four years. The only cost to deduct are the actual picking of the fruit off the tree. And so only the wages which he pays for workers to pick the fruit off the tree, only that would he deduct from the cost of the produce itself. And that would be the price to redeem that produce. Now the Mishnah ends off with a law which seems to be identical to Maisa Shaini, and that is one who redeems his own must add on a chimesh, which is really a quarter of its value. And as we saw a couple of Mishnahs ago, this is only according to Beis Hillel. And Bein whether it was his all along, whether he planted it and grew it, or if it was given to him as a present. And this is where the slight difference between Maitashen and Netaravoy comes in, because as we learned a couple of Mishnahs ago, according to Beis Hillel, Maitashen is considered Momen Gavoya, heaven's possession, the possession of Hashem and not the owner's possession, which means that one is not allowed to give Netaravoy as a present. And so we must be discussing over here where he gave it as a present before it reached a significant stage of its growth. So before it was obligated in tithes, before it's properly edible, and because of that it does not yet become Netaravoy, it's only considered Netaravoy once it's reached an edible stage, once it's grown enough to be eaten. But before that one can give it as a present, so if somebody did receive this as a present, and then it grew more and became obligated in Netaravoy, so one would need to add on a Chaymesh. Mishnah Vov, we now return to the main subject of our Masechta, Maisesheni, and this is where we are introduced to Beur. Beur refers to the obligation to make sure that one has given all of his tithes to whoever he needs to give them to, so to Karnim or Leviim or poor people, and when it comes to Maisesheni, to make sure that he has eaten it all, or destroyed it by the deadline, which is the Pesach of the fourth and seventh year of the seven-year Shemitah cycle. And to explain this a bit further, the tithes which are separated each year of the Shemitah cycle are slightly different each year. Firstly, the seventh year, the actual Shemitah year, no tithes are separated because one can't work the land. But for the rest of the six years of the Shemitah cycle, the tithes are split into two groups. The first group are those tithes which need to be separated every year, which is most of them, such as trimmer, Mycerician, and most of the gifts for the poor people. And the second group of tithes is made up of two different tithes, Mycerician, which is the tenth of one's produce which he brings up to Yerushalayim and eats himself, and Mycerani, which is a tenth of his produce which he gives to poor people. And when it comes to these two tithes, we have two cycles of three years. And in both of those cycles, the first two years one brings Mycerician, and in the third year he separates Mycerani. So it comes out that during the first and second year, as well as the fourth and fifth year of the Shemitah cycle, one separates Maisashani, and during the third year and the sixth year, one separates Maisaroni. So those six years are split into two groups of three years. Now after those three years, the Pesach following those three years, one needs to make sure that all of the tithes which had to be given in the last three years have to have been given by that time. Now the reason why Pesach is the deadline is because the third year produce is tithed of course in the fourth year, after it grew in the third year during the harvest season of the fourth year. That is when all the tithes have been separated, and the harvest season ends a couple of months before Pesach. 
but it's learned from Pesukim that the beer needs to be on a Yom Tov, one of the Sholish Regalim. So the next one of the three main Yom Tovim is Pesach, and therefore Pesach is the cutoff point. So elaborates the Mishnah, Erev Yom Tov Arishan Shal Pesach, the day before the first day of the Yom Tov at Pesach, and other versions of the Mishnah might actually say Yom Tov Achrein, the day before the last day of Pesach, Shal Revius Vishal Shavir, so the fourth and seventh year of the Shemitah cycle, Hayabir, that is when Bir took place. And the Mishnah asks, Kate had Hayabir. How did the beer work? What did one have to do when the beer time came? And the main answer is he has to make sure that no tithes are left in his possession. So some of the tithes he'll give to the Karnim or the Leviim or the poor people and some will have to destroy. So the Mishnah says, One needs to give all of the Truma and the Trumas Maisa to the owners, the rightful owners, which are Karnim. Umaiserishan, and he has to give all of his Maiserishan of Olav to their masters, to their owners, which is the Leviim. Umaiser Oni live Olav, and one has to give the Maiser Oni to their rightful owners, and that is the poor people. Umaiser Shani Vahabikurim, however, when it comes to Maiser Shani and Bikurim, Isbarim Bechalmakim, they need to be destroyed in whatever place they are. Although Bikurim generally go to Karnim, it's not enough just to give it to a Kohen now. They need to be totally destroyed. And the reason for these two, Maiseshini and Bikurim, is because the Torah says with regards to what we will learn in a couple of Mishnah's time, Vidui HaMaisras, which is when one confesses and he basically declares that he has gotten rid of all of the tithes. Now in that declaration, he declares, Be'artia Kodesh ben Abayis. I have destroyed the Kodesh from the house, and that means he's totally destroyed it. Now, Kodesh, as we have seen uh, early on in the Masechta, Maeser Shani is described as Kodesh, and therefore we see from that Pasuk that the Maeser Shani has to be totally destroyed. Now, when the Torah talks about the beer for Bikurim, that is placed right next to the part which talks about destroying Maeser Shani. And because they are put next to each other, we learn from there that just like Maeser Shani has to be totally destroyed, so too Bikurim. However, Bishimun or Bishimun says, Bikurim can be given to a Karnim for them to eat it, and they can keep it even after the beer, just like Turuma. And Bishimun learns this also from a Pasuk, because the Torah, one of the ways the Torah describes Bikurim, is by calling it Turuma. And therefore, according to Bishimun, it has the same halachas as Truma in this regard. So just like Truma does not have to be destroyed, rather it is given to Karnim for them to enjoy. So too, the same would apply to Bikurim. And therefore, according to Bishimun, one does not destroy the Bikurim, rather he gives it to a Kohen. The mission ends off by discussing Hatavshil, a cooked dish which contains some Maiseshani produce, but the Maiseshani produce is not recognisable in the mixture. It's totally mixed in with it, and it does give its taste to the mixture. However, it is not recognisable, and you wouldn't be able to just separate the Maiseshani from the rest of the produce. So Beishamai and Beishamai say Tzorach Levair, one needs to do beer to the entire cooked dish, and so all of it would have to be destroyed, just like the Maiseshani. Since the Maishashani has given off its taste, and you can't just separate the Maishashani, you have to destroy it. However, Vesil Omrim, Vesil say Harihu Kumvoyar, it's considered already destroyed, because it's totally not recognizable anymore, and it's dissolved and mixed in with the rest of the dish, and it's only Maishashani which is alone that needs to be destroyed. Somebody who has Maiseshini produce nowadays, after the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash, so it's forbidden to eat Maiseshini, which means that inevitably it's going to reach the beer stage, and you wouldn't have eaten the Maiseshini produce. So when the Higia Shos HaBeer, when the time of the beer arrives, one needs to redeem them onto money, and then destroy the money. Now why would you have to do that? Why can't you just destroy the produce itself? So Beishamai learned this from a Posuk, and the simple understanding of the Posuk says that if you're far away from Yerushalayim, 
then you should redeem the produce onto money and bring it up to Yerushalayim. Now, Beis Shammai learned something else from that Pasuk, and that is when you're far away from Yerushalayim. That means when there's no Beis Hamikdash, so you're the furthest away you can be from the real Yerushalayim, in all its holiness, then you have to redeem the produce onto money. And therefore, according to Beis Shammai, you would do the beer on the money and not on the produce. However, Beis and Beis say no, they don't learn that Pasuk that way, and therefore, Echad Shein Kesev, Echad Shein Peiris, whether they are money or produce, you can destroy them. So there's no point in redeeming them onto money, just destroy them how they are. And so according to Beis Hillad, you would do beer on the produce itself, without first redeeming it onto money. Now some of Rosham learned that according to Beis Hillad, you don't destroy it at all. Rather, you would allow the produce to rot by itself, and their reason would be, since my Sashanian doesn't apply after the Beis Hamidosh was destroyed, because you can't eat it, so beer wouldn't apply either, at least according to Beis Hillel.